The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson. Listeners, I could power a small country with the energy running through my head right now as my younger son packs up for college. We leave tomorrow to take him to the University of Oregon, and let me just say, packing isn't going so well. I told him to start a week ago, but really, what do I know? Lucky for me, I have the podcast to distract. Today's guest is no stranger to the show or to the eco-right. Larry Howe is a longtime member of our community. He's also a member of the Citizens Climate Lobby, and he's a huge advocate for solar power. A recent profile on him in the Dallas Morning Star, plus my own personal solar journey, got me to thinking that he would be a great guest to sit back and chat about the sun with. So stay tuned while Larry and I talk about all the wonderful things solar power can do. Welcome back, listeners. I'm so excited to be in conversation today with super volunteer, super member of the Eco Right, Larry Howe. Larry, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I think the last time we talked to you was post um, super, super winter storm in Texas that you had last year, right? And uh, talking about how you had weathered the storm, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, we managed to be one of the lucky areas where the power didn't go out, but it was still uh, quite an unusual winter storm for us. And I believe you actually gave me the idea to have Dr. Um, Joshua Rhodes on the show to talk about what happened in that power outage, which he was a really fantastic guest. I learned a lot about grid resilience and vulnerabilities and so forth. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. Um, Larry, you and I are about to have something else in common aside from the eco right, and that is you are a longtime user of solar panels. I'm about to get them. So, what I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about our journeys. What compelled you initially to install them on your house, and how have you, um, you know, where has that journey taken you? Yeah, so uh, so it basically started back probably in in 2011. I had uh, opportunity for an early uh, exit from my career, long-time career in the telecom industry. And uh, I was very interested in renewable energy, uh, and in particular solar energy. I'm a retired electrical engineer, so solar energy was always kind of interesting to me. And um, so it was something I wanted to kind of figure out a, a way to volunteer or assist that. And, uh, you know, I thought one of the big problem areas was the cost. Uh, which, you know, it has been a higher cost item. But even back in 2011, the cost curve, it, you know, it was on, it was on the trajectory to be lower, right? So, um, that was, that was a good thing. And, uh, what I found was it was just, you know, people really didn't know much about it. And I didn't really know much about it. So, uh, started, you know, reaching out, trying to find some local organizations, uh, nonprofits that might know something about it and, and eventually started, um, a local group in Plano uh, called Plano Solar Advocates, where we were advocating for it as well. And um, but but I had to kind of get my feet wet, if you will. So we initially started with a small uh, installation 
uh, it was in May of 2012. Uh, it was two and a half kilowatts, so it was on a smaller scale at that time. Uh, and one of the things I always found, and it's even kind of true today, is that once you make the decision, you want it installed tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it never happens as fast as you want. So I think in my case, uh, I had kind of signed a deal in November and it, you know, it was like six months later. And part of that was due to some availability of local uh, utility uh, incentives uh, that I definitely wanted to take advantage of. And so getting that those available. So uh, that kind of started uh, the journey, uh, learning a little bit more about it. Uh, we don't have statewide net metering here, so you, mm -hmm. I'm in a deregulated part of the state, so you have to try to find a retail electric provider that will pay you back for what you export uh, during the uh, during the day, and at that time, that probably offset about maybe twenty percent of our annual usage. So it was a fairly small uh, system for offset, but it gave me a chance to learn a little bit. Uh, and then we did a couple of group purchases. Plano Solar Advocates helped uh, organize some group purchases. Uh, back then, we called them Solarize campaigns. And so, you know, people got together, learned about it. Uh, we put together an RFP to send out to get uh, bids. And then the, the people that were on the, that had signed up, they helped choose uh, the installer. So in that process, we did one in 2013 and one in 2014. And in 2014, I added... Uh, another two kilowatts with a uh, solar canopy in our backyard or solar patio cover. Uh, you really only want to install solar ideally on south facing roofs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I started east and west because we have a nice live oak tree in the front yard. And uh, so I had to kind of find the right niche. And right now, based, based on how much it produces and how much we've reduced our energy consumption, some of that larger uh, reductions, uh, but right now it offsets about 60% of our annual usage. So therefore it, it lowers my bill, our bill about uh, 60%. Uh, Which is really, really amazing. And you're also reducing your carbon footprint. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. That was, uh, my, my initial journey was really just being kind of geeky about, uh, uh, I liked the idea of generating some of my own electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, I started, uh, I may have mentioned this in our earlier conversation, but, uh, not too long after I got my driver's license is when the first oil embargo hit. And so I was always interested in other, other forms of energy if possible uh, to do that. And, and uh, so solar photovoltaic was kind of in the early days back in the seventies. Uh, uh, and, uh, but, you know, it hit its stride through an, an interesting combination of global uh, uh, drivers that really helped drive the cost down. Well, and currently under the Inflation Reduction Act, the federal tax credit was increased, bumped back up to 30. So it had been 30% of total project costs. Mm -hmm. And then for 2022, it was supposed to phase down to 26%, but that bill boosted it back up to 30. And I know all of that because I started my solar journey sometime in the spring or summer and I was thinking 26% is a really good tax credit to get back. And that's just what I get from the feds. I do live in a state where that has net metering, metering and it's very generous. So in Maryland, um, they, the MRECs are, are valuable. And so you can earn back. So listeners, if you make more power than you use, you get to sell it back. And um, Maryland, the Maryland utilities will pay me for that. And then um, 
The state also gives a $1,000 rebate in Maryland just for installing the system. And I live in a county that also has a $5,000 tax credit that there's a wait list for, but at whatever point I get to the right point in the queue, it will happen for me. I'll get a $5,000 tax credit for my county. So lots of incentives here. And so listeners, you never know what your service area might be like. Um, and whether restrictive or not, you can ask the questions and find out because when I do the math, and this was the compelling point for me, I am financing the panels, but the monthly bill that I'm paying is less than what my usual, um, utility bill looks like. And I'm offsetting, um, about in the high months, not as much, obviously I'm, I'm more of a summer electricity user, but on average over the year, about 60%. So I'm pretty excited about that and, you know, doing a little walking of the talk. So that's also important to me. Yeah, it's definitely a learning experience. And again, that was kind of my my first opportunity to engage with Bob Inglis was actually at a uh, birthday conference where I was on a panel kind of promoting and talking about residential solar. And Bob was there talking uh, about reducing carbon emissions with a carbon tax. And so that, so actually my interest in solar energy is kind of what made me more aware of a larger problem that we have uh, around, uh, uh, you know, solving the climate challenge. Well, and I think that when you, when you talk about problems, that there are a lot of misconceptions, right? That if the sun doesn't shine, you're not going to have power, that it's prohibitively expensive. And Um, you know, these, you know, as with any technology, right, it always starts off a little more expensive. So when I think about my father as an author and was the first person I knew to have a real word processing computer, it was huge. The discs were like the size of a old fashioned record album, which some listeners may not know that those were pretty like, you know, bigger than a a standard sheet of paper. Um, and, and they were expensive. And now, you know, almost every home has a computer and, or, you know, cell phones, when cell phones first came out, obviously they were really expensive. And I think it's the same with solar. When you have the wider adoption, um, you know, prices are going down and the technology is getting better. So, um, you know, happy, I I would, you're an early adopter. I'm sort of a um, medium term adopter, I suppose. In in our community, uh, I'm familiar with, I think the first two people in Plano that installed solar and theirs was back in 2009. So, wow. you know, and now there's thousands of installations. So it, you know, it's, it's really uh, kind of expanded a lot. And I think, you know, in some respects, the, uh, uh, the country of Germany actually helped drive the idea of, because normally you would think of solar, you could only install it if you had batteries and you were off grid mm-hmm. and things like that. But then they came up with the concept of the inverter technology that allowed you to basically run in parallel with the grid. And so it was basically, hey, you know, when you can generate it, great. You know, if you're using it locally, use it locally. If you generate more, it kind of goes back out to the grid to your closest neighbor. So it's actually a great way to actually reduce the strain on the electric grid, you know, in those times. And here in Texas, we use the most electricity when the sun is shining because, you know, we have our air conditioners running full blast. (laughs) And, uh, and so if I can generate, you know, when my unit's not running and my neighbor's maybe is, then I, what I export out actually reduces the strain on the grid because the losses of transmission are highest when the temperature's hotter. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if it only has to go, 
you know, a couple hundred, you know, hundreds of yards versus hundreds of miles, uh, then that's a lot better for the grid. Uh, but but the technology is now involved on the, uh, evolved, you know, a lot with uh, batteries. So, uh, you know, that's another big plus is, and a lot of people now will install battery, local batteries with their solar. Um, and that's something that I'm looking at adding, you know, in the next four or five years as well, uh, is for local storage as well. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. What do you think, or what would you recommend that people look for if they're deciding or, or contemplating putting um, rooftop solar on their homes? Um, uh, first thing is, you know, if you have anybody in your neighborhood, go mm-hmm. talk to them, learn from them. Um, mm-hmm. Both lessons learned, you know, good or bad. Same thing, you know, like people will say, you know, who, what's what's the best company to go with? And I say, you know, hey, go talk to people local in your area uh, because, you know, if they like their installer, they'll tell you about it. If they don't like them, their installer, then ask them why they don't. So because, again, you'll learn a little bit as well. And uh, I'm a big uh, advocate for Solar United Neighbors, which is a nonprofit uh, that's now implemented stuff in, in a number of states. Um as a matter of fact, they're helping Plano do another group purchase here that they just launched. And um, but but they they started actually in the Washington D.C. area, mm. uh, and they were one of the groups that we they had a different name back then. But when we were trying to do our group purchase back in 2013, uh, the first time it, we were trying to learn from people across the country that may have done it, and and they were one of the ones that did it. And uh, our volunteers kind of decided once or twice was enough. <laughs> But uh, Anya Schoolman uh, for Solar United Neighbors has turned that into a complete uh, nonprofit advocacy group that I think they're in like 16 or 17 states now. Yeah, I've been I'm um, doing my project with Solar Energy World and, you know, two doors down, my neighbors with the pretty much very similar roof, um, similar tree cover. Uh, I thought that I had too much tree cover. Unfortunately, in the spring, I had to take a couple of dying trees down and then it was just like, ta-da. <laughs> so um, yeah, talking to your neighbors is great. Um, a great way to find somebody that you want to work with who's going to be reputable and, you know, be doing the research where you live. There are some states that make it harder, unfortunately, um, but I really am fascinated by this idea of energy choice, right? Mm-hmm. We should be able to choose, you know, to the extent that we can where we get our energy from. And in high sunny states like the Southwest, it seemed, it makes so much sense to use this. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, with the technology, um, I volunteer with the Texas Solar Energy Society for a number of years. And um, the executive director there kept saying, think of it as an appliance, right? Mm-hmm. It's to a point now where, you know, whether it be a refrigerator, washer, dryer, uh, heating and cooling system, solar system, you'd think of it as an appliance. And, and we really just need to be using it. And I and I would say here in Texas, um, we we need to be driving, motivating builders because we're still building lots of new homes. And there's no reason why every new home in Plano should, I mean, in Texas, shouldn't have uh, solar, you know, included. Or at least there's now building codes that define solar ready homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that would help a lot to, because that type of innovation would then be able to be reapplied back to existing homes as well, just like it was with central air conditioning. 
you know, it started more in new homes and then it found a way to be retrofitted back on uh, existing homes. Well, and I think about what you said too, about how you have a patio overhang that has solar on it. And, and I see more and more parking garages having solar on their roofs, which makes perfect sense, right? There are so many ways to do it. We live in a society that is very NIMBY minded, right? Not in my backyard, but if you're putting it someplace, you know, first of all, this, my house is my yard. So fine. And it's in code for me to do it and everything, but putting, you know, I think they're really cool and elegant and, and sort of um, futuristic looking. So I would never look at a home and think, oh, it's so ugly with those solar panels. But, um, you know, new buildings, public buildings, for sure. I was reading that schools, a lot of schools are starting to install, install solar panels and they're using the savings, the energy savings. And you think about, I mean, I haven't been in school for a very long time, but it was always too hot in the winter because we had those furnaces that, created so much heat. And then in the summer, well, I mean, I've lived in Maine, so we didn't have AC, but school's probably big energy suckage points. And so you have the solar panels on there taking the savings and using it to supplement teacher salaries. And I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. And I think a big, a big plus in this recent legislation that passed was uh, now that 30% tax credit can be applied to nonprofits and municipalities so kind of as a direct uh, offset or direct payment. Um, and it was tougher for nonprofits and, and municipalities and school districts to do it. They could do it either like they got a grant or something to install, mm-hmm. you know, a, a solar uh, installation, uh, or they went through a third party that got the tax ex- equity and then they agreed to buy the electricity from. So there was ways to do it in the past, but it'll be, it's a whole lot, going to be a whole lot better now. And that will even, you know, other nonprofits, churches, faith groups, things like that on their buildings and stuff will now be able to take advantage of it a lot easier than what they had to kind of jump through some hoops before. And listeners, if you can't, if it's not in the um, works or in the cards for you to install solar, even before I uh, decided to do this in my own house, I had signed up for community solar. So this is um, for my own and in my own example, it's a former, I believe, trash site that somebody put solar panels on. And so basically it's creating energy that neighborhood can buy into or take advantage of. So now actually my utility bill is split. So some of it goes toward the what I can get from the community solar project, and then the rest goes to my regular utility. And so even before I started to contemplate putting rooftop on my own home, I was looking for a way to reduce, you know, my carbon footprint. And that was something that was easy for me to do it. You know, I just had to marry the two uh, so that they could speak and talk about the billing and so forth. But it's, um, I saw that take my, my costs down as well, my utility. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great program for, and and again, it varies by states. Uh, It's a little harder to do in Texas and the deregulated market, but, you know, uh, in many states, it's a, it's a great, uh, a great way to kind of get your, get exposure to it. And And I think that's another great thing about solar is, it can be utility scale. It can be, you know, business or community local, or you can do it right on your own, yeah. you know, roof or property. So I think uh, it, it's a great fit. And, and we're seeing, I work my career in the telecom industry. And so, you know, the 
the the thinking you know the older thinking was you know we went from wireline to wireless and all the developing countries were going to have to go from wireline to wireless you know a lot of the big telecom companies wanted to sell all their wireline equipment to these mm-hmm. developing countries and then they just leapfrogged them right yep and i think you know we're seeing so they went straight to wireless phones and so i think uh a lot of developing countries are you know taking advantage of uh and and, and people are helping them you know, go directly to, you know, local solar with storage, you know, and uh, it helps them get the energy uh, advancements a lot faster. Well, every step counts and every, you know, ton of carbon saved is a ton of carbon saved. And well, I know you and I are both advocates for pricing carbon. Uh, I just love to talk to somebody else who is taking some personal responsibility. You know, we had Jim Tolbert on the show um, the beginning of the season. And he talked about his effort to inspire more people to commit to reducing their carbon footprint. And, um, for me, this is a nice, easy way to do it. And I am lucky to live in a place, um, in an area that makes it easy for homeowners like me. So listeners, if you have questions for me or questions for Larry, um, Larry, how can the listeners find you? Um, I've got a, uh, Plano solar advocates website called planosolar.org. And there's a contact me place on that. So that would be an easy way to do that. Well, I thank you for your time and for everything you're doing and for being such a great member of the EcoRight community. It always makes me smile when you respond to an email that I sent or you, I know you take every action that we um, promote. And so just always, it's good to have, have you in our corner. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. Hey, Price, guess what? What? I'm a duck. A lonely duck? A lonely duck. I know. I'm not really lonely yet, but I think I will be. So got the kid off to college. That was good. But now I'm home alone. And what am I going to do with all my time? And even more so, what am I going to do with all the energy that I'm going to produce for my solar panels? Oh, man. Yeah, that's a good I, question because you are uh, the proud owner. I will be the proud owner. I just got um, confirmation this morning that my um, that the installation, you know, there's like all these different processes that have to happen. And um, I got approval this morning for installation. So okay. um, they told me it would probably be September or October by the time they got in. And I am just looking forward to the sweet, sweet benefits of producing some of my own power. You know, I, I won't offset completely what I use, although maybe I will with two fewer <laughs> adults living in my house. And so, you know, I know Larry and I talked a little bit about this. I'm just so passionate, right, as if you couldn't tell on on making this move. I feel so confident it's the right thing. And the best part for me is that, you know, I, I financed these mm-hmm. solar panels, you know, full disclosure, but the price that I'm going to pay in my monthly financing mm-hmm. payment is less than what my current utility bill is. And so while, you know, let's say it's eight months or nine months out of the year, I'm going to have no utility bill. And at some point I'll be able to sell those credits back to the grid, depending, you know, when you make more than you need, you get to like send it back and you get right. paid for that. So it just feels like a win, 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 win. I'm doing something great for the environment and 
I'm just, I feel like I'm walking the talk a little bit. Yeah, you're certainly doing that. That's fantastic. And I know you're incredibly excited. I know Larry Howell was very excited uh, during their interview, um, talking about, you know, solar panels, solar energy, and you guys uh, kind of putting uh, putting your passions together there when it comes to solar. So, uh, really appreciate Larry uh, joining us and the enthusiasm that he brings with whatever he does because he is a, I don't know, we kind of like to term him a super volunteer. He is a super volunteer. He's great. And, you know, just back to me for a second. If anyone, anyone, anyone wants to talk to me about this, obviously, you know, I'm passionate reach out uh, my email, C-H-E-L-S-E-A at republicen.org. I am happy to connect you to Solar Energy World, especially if you are in Maryland, Virginia, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, North Carolina, Florida, or D.C. Um, And just let you know about my specific experience with that company. There are obviously others out there. But I am happy to talk about this as if you couldn't tell, Price, until the cows come home. So reach out to me, listeners, if you want to know more. I'm passionate about South Carolina. I'm passionate about energy, climate, and my home state here. And I want to do a special South Carolina shout-out because we had a number of folks sign up to stand with us at Republican.org this past week. And I want to shout out Moji in Mount Pleasant, Deborah L. in North Myrtle Beach, Charles F. in Greenville, Maria M. in Bono, and John M. in Sumter. Appreciate them for their South Carolina standing with us at republican.org forward slash join. It's that easy, and you will get lots of things from us, including weekend review, which Chelsea got done last week from the road. Look how talented she is. She got it. Done, sent out, and posted from the road. Well done, Chelsea Henderson. Well, thank you. You know, as the pandemic has taught us, we can really do our jobs from anywhere, even from the hotel that is a quarter of a mile from the big university that you just dropped your kid off at, and maybe with a few tears in your eyes. So, <laughs> Well, you were in all our hearts last week through the weekend as, uh, you know, empty nesting is now uh become full in full bloom uh, at your house with dropping your youngest off at the University of Oregon and no that's never easy to do especially when you're leaving you know whether it's your first second third whatever child it is but when you let them off all out into the nest it's a little bit a little bit tougher because you just don't have them around at your fingertips like you did before so was thinking about you over the weekend and last week Chelsea oh thanks Price. Thank you so much. It's been great to have all the support of my friends and my colleagues and um, even some listeners have written in. So uh, I, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I am glad that I can go through this with our community. Well, I want to give a shout out uh, to some friends in Utah, Tom Moyer, who we uh, we mentioned on this pad- podcast quite a bit. Um, Bob has been out there early this week. Um, meeting and greeting and speaking and doing lots of things in the greater Salt Lake and Provo, Utah areas. And so want to give a shout out to, to Tom Moyer um, and a lot of the folks there uh, in both those communities, BYU, University of Utah, Weber State, uh, for having Bob and you know getting to spend with time with uh, John Curtis, Congressman Curtis, who we had on the podcast just a 
you know, a few short episodes ago, which you can go back and listen to on our website, republican.org forward slash podcast, or just go uh, to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whichever one, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Eco Right Speaks and you will get it delivered every single Tuesday to your smartphone or whatever device it is you use to listen to your podcast. So appreciate everybody out in Utah for, for coming together and, and uh, making a great trip. We've got our uh, happy hour in South Bend, one of our last Who's Your Happy Hours coming up uh, this Wednesday, and that would be Wednesday the 28th. It's going to be at a place called Fat Bird off Colfax Avenue, 103 West Colfax Avenue in South Bend, Indiana, 5.30 to 7 p.m. Come on out, 5.30 to 7, Wednesday, September the 28th. If you're a member of the EcoRight community, um, if you're interested in hearing more about conservative climate solutions, Bob Inglis will be there along with Casey Crane and our other very good friends for, from the Indiana Conservative Alliance for Energy. Uh, we really enjoy partnering with them on these Who's Your Happy Hours. And our final one uh, will be coming up on Wednesday, October the 12th, same time, 530 to 7. This one will be in Evansville, Indiana. So our last Who's Your Happy Hour will be next month, October the 12th. So, Chelsea, we will have another episode together next week. Don't forget, every Tuesday we got a new episode, new content, new interviews, new conversations we're going to bring you. And until then, we will do that next week. We will talk to you then, Chelsea. Talk to you then, Pray. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader. 